Welcome back to another episode of That's Business. This week is a little special for Mother's Day because I have the one and only individual that gave me life, my mom, Anne-Marie. Thank you so much, mom, for agreeing to this podcast. I feel like we've been saying we should uh, be on a talk show and grant everyone with our thoughts on everything. So here we are doing it. Today, we're going to talk about a variety of things. You can be 100% open and honest with me. That's what we want. So let's hear it. First of all, I want to talk about how, and just a little background on you, obviously, that you got into the travel agency, tri- words, travel industry so young. How old were you when you started? What were you doing? How, how the hell did you get into it? I think I was 17 or 18, possibly. When mm-hmm. I was in, when I graduated high school, a friend of mine was getting recruited by a travel uh, school down in Florida. And Mm -hmm. they ended up calling on me also, and off we went. We said, well, we got nothing to lose, so we decided to take a chance, and our parents said, go for it. We went down to, moved on to Fort Lauderdale. It was only a um, few months for uh, travel school, and uh, lived together in an apartment at 17 years old, I think, maybe 18. I don't think so. I'm thinking 17. (laughs) So... um, we had a great time. It was a good experience. Um, we got to see the Chippendales down there. Just saying. <laughs> Aging yourself here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's it. That's how I got into it. I When I came back from travel school, I started working for a land surveying company and just filling in for, I think, one of your grandmother's friends who worked there. And all of a sudden, uh, this travel agency called me and said, you know, Hey, I have your resume. I had no idea to this day. I still have no idea how they got my resume, but they said, um, they would go ahead and interview me if I wanted a job and started out delivering airline tickets. Delivering, delivering. Okay. I think you've told me about this. So like delivering them to businesses that would hire you guys to book their travel or how did that work? So the travel agency was the third largest travel agency in the world. And they, they specialized in corporate travel. That's pretty much what it was. They did have, um, you know, other other travel um, entities to their business, but it was basically corporate travel. So we did. I don't. Well, I don't want to drop names. I don't know if that if I'm allowed to do that or not. But <laughs> you could do whatever you want on this podcast. There's did, no rules. We did like um, Stroh's Brewery, Little Caesars, mm-hmm. um, you know, big big companies like that. So wherever they traveled. Even even there was even people that did their personal travel, even though it was a corporate travel agency. But um, anytime they had business travel, that's what we did. We booked their travel. We did so not do you... the Red Wings because Mickey Redman has his own travel agency and he's the one that they fly on. I'm just saying. Oh, fun fact. I didn't know that either. Yes. I wonder, do we? is that still the case now? Yes. Do you even know? Yes. That is? I believe so. Oh, that's so funny. That's hilarious. So how did you get them as clients? Were they more so, did you have to go out and close this business or was it more, hey, they called upon the company you worked for and you like move forward with them? Well, we, I was, I started out delivering tickets at, um, four 75 an hour. I got paid 10 cents, 10 cents a mile for gas, I believe. I mean, this is, I mean, I'm guessing it was probably in 1986. Right. Um, so it was, I, I was not a happy person to be doing this. I kind of did it just to get my foot in the door and see what would happen because I certainly didn't want to be delivering tickets and 
to me, it was a, you know, something that was a, I don't want to say a meaningless job, but in my head, I would had better plans than driving around delivering <laughs> tickets. So that's what I did. I, I, I don't want to say complained my way to the top, but probably within, probably <laughs> I, I worked in, I worked in that department. I delivered tickets. There's other things that were involved, obviously, in that department. Right. But for the most part, we delivered tickets. We That was back in the day where you actually had to print out tickets, sort the tickets, put them right. with actually paper itineraries, bound them up. And so it was a big old project back in the day. Um, basically, after we after I did that, it was probably maybe a few months later, I got into, they kept me inside. So I could do, I wasn't no longer on the road. I was doing other things in the department. And then I kind of complained to the VP who was in our office. And I said, listen, this is, I have no ambition to do any of this. Like there's my, my talents are being wasted here. So it's time we move it around and get me to be where I want to be. And he said, well, I agree. Let's bring you in and kind of have you float for a while. Well, the company was in the middle of doing an expansion in Southfield. So we went from a 30-person office to a 200-person office or 175 around there. So because of the expansion, I think it was easier for me to get my foot in a different door. And um, before you know it, I was floating around. I was floating. Some days I worked in accounting. Some days I worked in, we had a a small vacation group there. Sometimes I worked in vacation. Um, I I just kind of bounced all over. Sometimes I just proofread for the VP or did proofread for proposals that were going out to different clients. And then um, I ended up being the supervisor of the original department that I started in, which was ticketing or, you know, deliveries and uh, went from there. And I stayed in the company until I was, till I got married. So how was it being such a, cause what were you 19 years old, 18? I mean, I don't know the timeline mm-hmm. here, but I wasn't alive yet, but how old were you and what was it like being such a young supervisor? I was probably 19, maybe 20 when I was a supervisor. And the department was pretty young. I mean, there was definitely people under me that were older than me. But for them, I always had an authority to me, I guess, that <laughs> or bitchiness. I'm not sure what you call it. That um, 10 people, I didn't have a problem with telling people what to do, put it that way. I still don't. Okay. I love that. Were you taken seriously being so young? Did you have any, I mean, of course, I'm I'm sure somebody had some problem with you, but did that ever happen or was it more you're tenacious and said, Hey, this is what's happening and respect me. Well, some, I mean, of course, sometimes before I was a supervisor and I was in the ticketing office, my boss at the time had a, I don't want to say an attitude problem, but he was a, I have to have my coffee before I can say hi to anybody. And I just thought it was a terrible way to, you know, be. And I would come in and say, oh, good morning. And he would sit there with his coffee and not want to say anything. So one day I walked in and he didn't say anything back to me. And I finally, this is like an everyday situation. I finally went and it kind of brought the morale down of the department. And there was like nine of of us in the department. So I just thought that was kind of a, a bad way to be. So I went above his head and went to his boss and said, hey, this is the deal. I don't appreciate coming in every morning to a miserable boss who's supposed to be sitting here leading by example, who won't even look at you unless he has his cup of coffee and literally will tell you, don't talk to me till I have my coffee. So 
of course, the, I believe it was the next day, my boss called me into one of the offices because he didn't have an office. He sat on the floor with us and he mm-hmm. called me into an office and shut the door. And I went, "Uh Oh, <laughs> I know what Oops. this is about. <laughs> so he said, why would you, why wouldn't you just come to me? Why would you go behind my back and go to my boss and complain about my behavior? And, and I said, well, because I'm tired of telling you, I think your behavior is ridiculous on the floor because you're supposed to be leading by example. So why would I go to you when I've, when I've said it to you before and nothing's been done about it? I said, I'm not the only one that says it. I'm just the only one who has the the nerve to say it to somebody else. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. And then he changed his tune after that. And then he, you know, he fluttered around like a little butterfly every day after that. Hmm, I wonder why things happened to me and why I've, why I became the way that I am. This is all coming together here. It's crazy. It's not a bad thing. Now, it's not a bad thing. We love it for us. What would you say, I mean, having traveled to so many different places, what is your favorite place you've been to? Hmm. Well, I have to say Italy because, but there's so much more to see that I, I don't know. I, I just, I just have to say Italy because I've been there three times and I love it. I love every aspect Why? of it. I think it's, what aspects it's, it's part of our life. It's part of our heritage. We have family there. We, I mean, the history there is unbelievable. I, I just love it. The I have food to is beautiful. Beautiful. The very beautiful. I know we're going to retire there. Remember we're going to yes. buy a house on the countryside. Yes. Exactly. Uh, going forward with the travel stories, what's the craziest travel story you've had? <laughs> I'm sure you got lots. You could say whatever. Just remember, I'm your daughter. I don't need to know all those crazy details there. But yeah, tell the good people. You're over 21 now. <laughs> um, I would say, I mean, I don't have anything crazy. Nothing, you know, no dead bodies nice. or anything. But Well, you can't, you, you can't say that on a live podcast. Come on. So I would say when... A friend of mine, Carol, and I went to Switzerland. And oh, I was alive for this one. Yes, um, we went to Switzerland and thought that it was a. We just we were in an all expense all expenses paid trip, and we were staying at this beautiful hotel. So we decided to every day was this little gathering downstairs for like hors d'oeuvres and, and happy hour. Yeah, exactly for this group. Right. So we did what we had to do and showed our faces and whatever, but then we're like, we need to get out of here because there has got to be something else going on more exciting. <laughs> so right. we wandered out the door and the first day, I think it was, we went to the right and right next to our hotel connected to the building was this little tiny hole in the wall, super cute, whatever. We go in there. We're, there's like a 10 to one ratio of men like young, young guys. And we're like, wow, like we had the jackpot. What is going on in here? Well, sure enough, there was a Pirelli's tire convention. Oh yeah. I know Pirelli. So these guys all worked for Pirelli. So that was entertaining. That was, that was exciting. Um, but that wasn't the, that wasn't the travel story. The next day we decided to take a left out of the hotel and we found some other, bar it literally was a door but we had heard music so we're like meh let's give it a try see what happens we go in this place and it's a I don't want to say a disco but it was a this rocking little place I mean the, the hole was, in the wall yeah. it was packed it was packed and 
we go in there and music's playing, there's people dancing, there's people, you know, partying and it's a strictly a bar. We'll go to order a drink and all they have is bottle service. Well, at this little hole in the wall, at, this was this. It wasn't a hole in the wall. It was literally just a door you went in. It was nothing. It was it was cool oh, when like you got into it. Huh? Like a speakeasy, like a speakeasy. <laughs> well, it was just we heard music and we saw a door, so we opened it. But there was no windows or hey, come a modern up. day speakeasy. I That's mean, so kind of. I mean, there was no you know walk in. We're upstairs. We're here. Nothing. It was right. just a door, and we heard music, so we, we did it. So we bottle service. The next thing you know, we're, you know, we're like, okay, great. Now we can't even get a drink because they have bottle service. Like we're going to, at the time we were drinking, you know, absolute and cranberry. So are we going to order a whole fifth? I don't think so. Well, we had to find some people that we could split it with. Right. So we started making friends and we found some, we found some other Americans. I want to say they were from Texas. I honestly don't remember. Carol probably remembers because she was talking more to them and I was talking to a different uh, group of people. So these people said, hey, you know what? We'll buy the bottle if you guys buy the mixers. And we're like, hey, whatever, cool. We don't care, you know? Right. So next thing you know, they come over, they serve us, we're all there. A little while later, a little while goes by. And again, I'm talking to a, we're all together, but I'm, you know, talking to my left. She's talking to her right to these two, this couple. Well, we didn't know what the deal was with this couple. But before long, Carol's in my ear and telling me that this guy is showing her his one leg. He's got a he's got a, a peg leg, like a a, a a prosthetic. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. why? What, what was that conversation about that he was showing you his leg? She said he took it off and showed me. <laughs> why? So, I have no idea why. So anyway, because that's the kind of luck Carol has. That's why. So... <laughs> Get stuck in conversations with people that overshare. Yeah. Oh, it was funny. Well, you keep asking questions, people are going to keep it, keep talking, right? And you're new drinking, right. so so next thing you know, we leave. We, we decide we want to go someplace else because now we're you know, eh, whatever. This place is nice, but you know, it's only bottle service. Then we'll have to order another bottle. Let's go. Let's ask around, see where we should go. So we got this. These people are like, oh yeah, you got to go to this place, and oh, it's so cool, and isn't it? So here's Carol and I, we hop in a cab and we're like, All okay, right. here's the address. These people said, take us here. This is the place we're going. We get out and we walk We're we asked the cab, the cab driver said, do you want do you want me to wait? We're like, no, why would we want you to wait? No, we heard this is the place to be. He's like, well, be careful. Okay. We're like, well, that's not a good sign if he's saying be careful, but we're three sheets to the wind. So we're like, yeah, let's go try it out. <laughs> so we walk in this place. And it literally was like a cavern. Like there was different like little freaky deek rooms. Like there was a room, like we walked in, there was like couches in this room and people were just oh. like hanging out and, and not a like sexual thing, but just like, Oh no, that's no, where no, my mind no, went. no, no, not like a, not like a dungeons thing with no, not like a bunch of uh, swingers. Not room, it wasn't no. a swingers dungeon. No. So here. So we're like looking at each other. Next thing you know, I mean, then there's some girls kissing before girls were kissing. Okay. There was a girl, these girls kissing on the side. And I I don't even remember seeing an actual bar. Like we just kept walking and kept seeing all these rooms, right side, left side, different little cavern, little different little, these, it was the strangest thing. And at one point we were like holding arm and arm. No bar. No bar. You, You haven't found the bar yet. 
No, like, like an there actual- was no bar. It was just like a room. Well, we didn't find the actual place where they're serving drinks. I mean, we were. Right, that's what I mean. And then I think in our heads, we were kind of like, whoa, wait a minute. No, wait, oh, wait a minute now. Uh-uh. Like, before you know it, we're like arm in arm going, oh, hell no, we are out. So we we turned around and ended up, you know, this, remember, no Uber. No Uber, no Lyft. Yeah, yeah exactly. You could use so, your phone. You're in another country, right? We're in another country. So now we're going to go back upstairs outside the cavern for an, and find a cab from the guy who just asked us if he wanted us him to wait. He wanted to wait for us. Now we know why. So now we're going to go back up to the street, half in the bag, um, looking like two strippers on the corner waiting for a taxi cab. So that was that was probably, we ended up getting back to the hotel safely, but again, probably not the best choice. Did you ever to- find those people that recommended that and were like, what the hell were you recommending to us? Carol probably would remember if it was the people, if it was the guy with the one leg if it was his group, because we had a feeling that they might've been swingers, but they were from, they were from the United States. So I don't know. Doesn't if matter. No, we've met, we met plenty of swingers. It's okay. But we were in another country. So how would they know about this place? I want to say it was somebody, it was the people who worked at the bar, the people that worked at this, you know, disco or whatever it was that we were at to begin with that recommended it. But yes, um, I, I had no reason one. to see those people again. Oh, I just, I would want to find them and be like, what, what part of that was a good idea? Well, obviously that's what they were into. <clears throat> I didn't want to know. Better left on things. Some things better left unsaid. Exactly. <laughs> God. Well, it's totally transitioning after that answer. That's a good one. Yeah. I was very young when you went, so I didn't get those juicy stories. So I understand now why. Okay. Fast forward. You get out of the travel agency. You get married. You get pregnant with the best thing that ever happened to you, me, and you started a business. How the hell did you decide to start a business when you're having your first child? Like what? Who does that? I I guess I just have to say sheer freaking boredom. (laughs) So in all honesty, I went from... Lay it out. In all honesty, I went from being from the age of 17 to... Uh, 24, 25, maybe I mm-hmm. worked for the travel agency Monday through Friday. And at the same time for two years from the time I was 18 to 20, maybe, or in that period, I also worked at my cousin's bar as a bartender from um, Wednesday through Sunday. So for all that time, I was nonstop. I was, you know, three hour a night sleeper, go, go, go constantly doing something or, and then every three months I would, every three months I would plan a trip out of the country because in my head, I always thought my mom used to always say, well, you know, go where you ever, you can go before you get married because you never know when you get married, what you're ever going to do. And I said, that's true. So I always thought in my head, I can always travel to the United States, even if I was married, because right. who cares? I don't have to, it's not going to cost that much money. I can get in a car. I can drive wherever I want. So every three months, I planned a trip to go out of the country. That was my goal. Every three months? Every three months. Yep. Jesus. So by the time I got married, of course, your father had a produce business and mm-hmm. um, that was obviously his dream and his life and he loves that to this day. Um, but it wasn't, 
of interest to me. I mean, yes, of course it put food on our table and it supported, paid our bills, but it wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't my life, my dream, my goals. I was, I stopped traveling. I was pregnant for nine months. I would sit on the couch and read. I would just think to myself all day, how is it people? Well, at that point, I guess I should say I quit my job um, once I got pregnant. So um, at one point I was just like, I don't understand how people can work the first three months of a pregnancy because all you want to do is sleep. So I was just bored out of my mind, you know, staying home and being Susie homemaker was not my thing. That's not who we married. That's not who I was. And I was just bored. So, so you start a business. So I started a business and you ask why the basket business? Yeah. Cause so, I actually don't even know the answer to this. Yes, you do. You just, you're just forgetting. Um, Dad has the produce business, so at Christmas time, right. we would do fruit baskets for our customers as a gift. I don't. You don't know this, that. really? I don't know this. See, so you really didn't even listen. This. You didn't even listen as a child. See, here it is. So, <laughs> so we used to do these little. Every year we would get together in like probably like the beginning of December, and we would do like these buckets. They're called um, packs. They're like a bushel basket. And we would, there'd be like, your aunts would come over and, um, you know, dad, me and your grandfather, and we'd get a bunch of people to come over and we would cook up a storm and everybody would be in the garage and we'd have a, um, little line going. Yeah. Little assembly line and making fruit baskets. And we would make a couple hundred of them and they would just give them out. You know, Poppy, your grandfather would just drive around in the van and he'd just start handing them out to, you know, customers, dishwasher. He didn't care. He would just, he just like doing it. So that's how it started. I've never heard this story. Yeah. And because it turned, because it went from fruit baskets, people would ask me um, if I ever thought about doing any kind of baskets. And then I started doing like right. little bigger or more, I guess I should say, besides just there being fruit in it, they would ask for like, you know, other items in the, you know, gift baskets. And I said, well, I don't know. Let me try it and see if I, what I like. I don't know. I'll I'll try. I don't know. I don't know what I was doing, but I was always crafty and creative. So I started buying some baskets and getting some material and putting stuff together. And then the next thing, you know, people were like, I asked some of dad's customers if they would, who had businesses um, and if they would be interested. And that's how it kind of spiraled into that. So I started the business and off we went. The next thing you know, I ended up doing, um, I don't know, I had about 12 hospitals that I did their, um, their gift, uh, their gift stores. And I don't know, I, I had a great time doing it. I still have people ask me to this day, I did it for 15 years <laughs> yep. and I still have people to this day ask me if I would do their baskets at Christmas. And I know your father always says, why don't you do it? It's so much, you love doing it. And I really did love doing it, but it was time for a change and I just decided to um, things were getting complicated with um, corporations that I had done baskets for that could no longer accept gifts or give gifts. Right. So it was becoming a little more complicated and I just didn't want to do the business at Christmas because it's a lot of work and it's a lot of inventory to get in when you're kind of guessing what you're going to do in numbers. And what was it like having me running around having a newborn and doing this business? Well, in all honesty, when you guys were, well, when you were little, 
um, I would have people, I would have people come over sometimes if you were just there, obviously I was running the business out of the basement. So it wasn't like I, you know, I was, I was gone. Um, I could hear you and, you know, when you were, and you were little, so I would have people come over when you got a little older, I, sometimes I would bring your swing downstairs in the basement and just let you like swing in the swing and hang out with us if we had work to do. But otherwise I would have, sometimes I'd have people come over and hang out with you and babysit during the day. And, you know, when dad got home from work, I would come upstairs and cook dinner or hang out with you for a while, but that's all. Made it work. Jeez. Made it work. That's right. We know Titan's on the, that's, well, the dog crying in the background is Titan. We'll oh, say hi to him. <laughs> can you him. hear him? He's I can't hear him. If I let him in, he probably wouldn't cry, but he's outside. I shut the door and that's why he's crying because he can see me. He can open doors. But he, he won't open this one while I'm sitting here. Oh. Do you want me to let him in? So good. he'll stop crying. Sure. If you want to let him in. Let him in. Okay. So transferring or kind of changing terms on this. So you start your own business. All is great. Wonderful. Now, People have asked me, what was I like as a kid? Was I, was I great and wonderful and perfect? That's what I like to think. I know you like to think so. Yeah, I know you do like to think so. But you know what? Most kids do like to think that. But you were pretty good. You were, you were always a good kid. You were always helpful and, and sweet and nice. Um, the, only, the only time you, your personality changed slightly was when your brother was born. Then you were a little more jealous, real bossy. Real bossy, like, but you were protective of that him. That checks out. You, you, you protected him though. You were always like, you would always make your little scrunchy face, and you would always act like you'd always want to kiss him, and you, and you'd kiss him, and you'd like squeeze him really tight, like you'd put him in a headlock and kiss him. Which I know deep inside, it wasn't about love. It was about squeeze popping his head off because <laughs> he was in, yeah. in your taking up your time. You just love someone so much. You just squeeze them. I just told Chuck the other day, I love you so much. I want to rip your face off. Yeah. Just so that's, love, you know? that's exactly yeah. the way you were since you were two years old. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I say that to my friends. Like you're just like so pretty. I just want to eat your face, you know, just, it's just love. That's it's just love. That's the way you are still. Yep. That's the way you Aggressive always love. So it's, it's the stubborn Taurus in me, you know, I get it. It was until that one time when you pushed your brother down the stairs. In the- I did not push him down the stairs. His ass fell. True story. So we're going to tell a story real quick. The rule in our house was my mom would do our laundry when we were growing up. You would do our laundry and then she'd fold it all nice and wonderful, put it in a basket and you had to put the basket upstairs where my brother and I had our bedrooms. So Joey being the pain in the ass that he is, he would he would never help ever. Like he would do a little bit and then he'd walk away and then I would do it all because she would be screaming at us to get her her basket back. Fair. She folded our laundry. Great. We deserve the basket back. So I thought it'd be a great idea. And Joey's sitting in the basket, sitting in the basket. So I can't bring it downstairs. I mean, so how, me what being, the age group? Let's put some age in perspective. Oh, here. I don't know. He was little. Was strong he, enough to hold him. But he was probably five. Yeah. I, well, I was going to say I was 10. So, okay. okay so I'm eight yeah. then. Yeah. Okay. We'll say eight to 10 and he's yeah. five to seven. Right. So I hold it over the stairs, like get out. Like I had control over it. Only the handle. He, <laughs> the handle broke off and he went tumbling down the stairs. Now how the house is set up is the stairs leads to the kitchen. 
So mom and dad are sitting at dinner and just see their son flying down the stairs. And then my dad immediately screams at me. Well, because and, at the bottom of the stairs was a glass door wall. So straight shot, wall, up, right. yeah, straight shot down the stairs is a door wall. So all I saw in the reflection in the window was him. Lit- and he didn't tumble. He didn't go head over. He stayed in the basket and just kind of sledded down. He sledded yeah. down the stairs. But he made the last three steps were like airborne. So all I saw was a basket flying through the reflection. And he was like 10 inches from the glass door wall. But he didn't go through it. Nope, he did not. Because I think because he was too skinny. He was, there wasn't enough, there wasn't enough weight behind (laughs) (laughs) him. Not not enough weight behind it. And you knew I didn't do it because you saw me with the handle still in my hand at the top of the stairs, like a deer in the headlights. See? But he used to get you riled up all the time. He used to he used to try to get on your nerves, and you used to let him. But that's why you pushed him into the Christmas tree. Let's go with this. Well, he deserved that. He still, he still has, has a scar, has scar, scar guys. He still has a scar on his face at 25 years old. Hey, it's okay. So all Other your things were his fault. All your listeners who think you're such a good person, there you are. Hey, the, the people that listen know I'm not a good person. I'm a genuine <laughs> person, you know? You are a good person. Thank. Oh my gosh, is that a compliment? Yeah, oh don't get gosh. too many. Take it while you can. I know. I'm scared to ask the next few questions, but we're going to ask them. Oh, good. So growing up and kind of being at where I'm at right now in my life, did you ever think at any point I would be a business? I mean, I think at first grade, I said I wanted to be an archaeologist and we found old things that I spelled archaeologist right for some reason. I don't remember how I managed to, but change career paths 80 times. Did you ever at any point think I'd be a business owner? What did you think I would end up doing? Well, I will say this. We are a lot alike in a lot of ways. And when I was little, even, even in probably middle school, I always said I wanted to be an archaeologist. So maybe that's something that maybe I telepathied you. And telepathy I like it. You, Run with it. Yeah, that you wanted to be that. I don't I have no idea. Um, did I ever think you'd be an entrepreneur? Yeah, I always thought you would do something. I always thought you would um do something on your own. I mean, you're still young. Who knows? You could still change career paths still. But I always thought you would for sure do something managing people because that's what you've always done is manage people. And that's the same as saying yeah, you're being bossy. You're a bossy person. <laughs> a bossy person. Okay. I like it. Yeah, we had our lemonade stand growing up. We had we had our entrepreneurial yeah. adventures. You were always sold bracelets. Of, yeah. You always wanted to help people. You always wanted to do things and do nice things for people. And I don't I don't necessarily think that it was always about the money. It was about it was about doing stuff. You always like, like I did, you always want you and you grew up watching me be crafty, not only doing the baskets right. and things like that, but I, you know, I did craft kind of stuff. If things needed to get done for, I'd help people do, you know, put things together if they needed, you know, just different stuff. I think you just have that in you to be that way. That's all. And Love I it. also taught you to be a very, you know, say what you want to say with, some respect behind it, but you'll never get anywhere in life if you don't speak up and you let people walk all over you. True. That you have said very much. Yeah. 
And be independent. You always said that too. Always right. be independent. Well, because why did I always say that? Why, why, who did I tell you told me? Oh gosh, I don't even know. So, your my, grandma? Uh huh. <laughs> so, my grandma used to say, Anna Marie, with her Anna little, Marie. Anna Marie. <laughs> she said, Don't you, she used to say, Don't you wait for no man to wipe your ass. You wipe your own <laughs> ass. <laughs> God, I, I wish I would have met her. Oh, she was a good one. <laughs> Oh, if you if any of you want to see a picture of her, start talk about the original OG RBF fate. RBF. It was the it's the best one I've ever seen in my life from all these pictures. It's amazing. Oh, that's amazing. But they were in that day though, and back in that day, they were not told they were told not to smile. So I know, but the the like don't mess with her in her eyes is like seated. Like it's like, damn, I wouldn't mess with that woman. Yeah, well. They went through different times than we did, right? <laughs> For sure. Yes, very much so. Just a little bit, you know. Now, fast forward to because we could talk for hours, of course. But fast forward to me calling you when I got fired because you were the first phone call I made. What was your gut? When we got back from Italy, full circle now that you said Italy was your favorite. What was your immediate reaction? What was your actual reaction when... I told you that because I'm sure you were being nice and said what you said, but what, what, what was actually going through your head? Hmm. I don't, well, at first I was nervous because I could hear you were crying. So, and it was like nine o'clock in the morning and I'm like, Oh God, what happened? Andrew, you okay? And then you said, I just got fired. And I'm like, okay. I think my first initial reaction was probably, I probably rolled my eyes. I probably rolled my eyes like, oh, God, here we go. And then my second reaction, I think, was just pissed because I told I remember telling you that I would pay you after you told me what happened. I should say I remember telling you that I would pay you pay for you to sue them for. No, wrong company. Wrong company. No, wasn't that what that was? When the email got sent out, that was my first job. That was different. No, I remember that. Oh yeah, I guess my I guess my initial reaction was just like I think I was letting you talk. I I did definitely roll my eyes because I was mad that they that they wanted you know that they fired you over something ridiculous. How can you meet your goals when you're on vacation for two weeks? It's a little hard. So I was mad about that. No, Andrew, it was them. It was them. I also I said that I would pay for you to sue them because I thought you had a wrongful suit against them. They they fired you. For saying you didn't meet your goals when you had a planned vacation for two weeks. Right. So you don't remember because you were distraught. <laughs> I was very distraught. That is for sure. Now, and if you've listened to other podcasts, what I'm talking about with the email, the first job I ever worked out of college, the owner of the company sent out a nasty email about me to all employees when I put in my two-week notice after belittling me for two hours. So that's where my mind went. But if I forgot what episode. I brought it up a few times if you've been listening to this podcast. But yes. Yep. I re- and then you said that. Okay, yeah. So I, right. I think that was my initial reaction was just like, Oh, you know, can't wait to hear this story. So then you told me what happened and you were crying and sobbing and hyperventilating. And I'm, and I'm like thinking in my head, seriously, like get your crap together and move on. So so I let you, I let you, you know, so mean. I let you take a little breather there and 
we, I said, well, think about it. And, you know, what, you know, think about it. And I think you wanted to call chalk or you wanted to call somebody and tell them what happened. So we got off the phone and then, I don't know, maybe an hour later, I think I called you back and, or you called me back and I'm like, are you done crying now? And you said, yeah, I am. I'm just really sad. And so, and I said, listen, this is, this is a blessing in disguise. You hated your job. You hated working for those people. So you, you loved helping people and you were already helping people on the side who were applying for jobs with that company. And I mean, I remember all, all the time you were saying, oh my gosh, if you change this on your resume, I'll, you'll get the job. Don't worry about it. And then they would say, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. And you would say, well, give, just let me do it. Give me five minutes. Let me just change it for you. And you would change it for them and send them on their way. So I finally just said, you know what? Pull up your big girl panties and get your shit together because it's time to move on. Like do it, do it for yourself. This is the time to do it. And that same day you went and filed your, registered your name for your business. And here you are. Here we are. Yeah, definitely was. Uh, and then one thing you missed that you did, you did say that stuck with me was you said you long side, which I'm sure now that I didn't see your face, you were eye rolling, but you said, I had a feeling, I had a feeling this morning that something was going to happen with your job. Yeah. I don't know why. I just had a feeling. We're all about our feelings. That's a whole other podcast in and of itself. A mother knows. The mother knows. She does. A but- mother knows. But that's, she I mean, knows. it was, it was the best thing that could have happened to you because being in that situation would have just kept, it would have kept weighing you down. It would have just, you would have kept doing something, doing stuff on the side to help people out and never getting ahead for yourself. Oh, for sure. No, it was devastating for sure. I think it was, it wasn't even, I was sad over the job. I think it was more, my pride was hurt that me of all people was fired from a job when I worked nights and weekends and sick days and whatnot that looking back, I'm like, don't be an idiot like me, people, please. Been there, done well, that. I mean, yeah, were, it was more pride. You're young, sure. and I think that you know you were learning the business, and um, I think you gave people the benefit of the doubt, and finally, like like most mm-hmm. people do, and like you should. I mean, in, in all reality, you should give people the benefit of the doubt. But right. you were in that situation for a long period of time where it was time that you got a reality check that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not sunshines and rainbows. Right. Exactly. You, you know, not everybody gets trophies and not everybody should. And I went above my boss's head and that didn't, I think that was also my final nail in the coffin was I, I did what you did. Only things didn't change like they did for you. So exactly. I got fired. Right. Exactly. I just looked at my boss and said, okay, Felicia, I'll just move on and did it behind his back. (laughs) Onward and upward. Sorry. And sometimes that's the only way you're going to get ahead. Well, it's, it's fun. Like we can laugh about this now three years. What? Yeah. It'll be three years in August, but yeah. we can laugh about this now. Couldn't laugh for a few months. Now I'm like, screw it. I got fired. Like all the best people get fired. Like it's fine. It's all good. Well, but- it worked out for you. So it doesn't always work out for everybody, but it did work out for you. And sometimes you got to just run with it and see what happens and it say you at least tried to do it. And if it didn't work out, you move on. You do. Well, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. It's we're, at, we're a very long podcast, but any closing remarks, any words of advice to listeners or anything? We have a wide variety with listeners from young to old in between. Any words of advice? Boy, I don't know. Yeah. What, what, what topic? Oh, come on. What's your favorite quote you always say? Oh, I don't know. 
My grandma used to. Oh, tights is mad. My grandma used to say, "Shitter, get off the pot. Let somebody else on." But at me, I didn't say that. <laughs> no, fat, stupid, and drunk is no way to go through life. Oh, Come on. that's true. Amen, sister. That is the truth. <laughs> that is the truth. That's from Animal House. I know it's from. <laughs> well, that that should be bonus of anyone that knows that movie. Right. You know? That really shows my age there too. Right. Fat, stupid, and drunk is no way to go through. No life. way to go through life. Right. It's classic. Classic line. But. Well, thank you so much. I love you dearly. And thanks for coming on. Yep. I love you too. You've done good. And you just keep on trucking, girl. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, the Resume Rescue can help. Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone. But here at the Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. Whether it's changing careers, updating a resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.